0: Hello, it is Annie McManus. Welcome to Changes. I am not in my normal place. I am in the Stees Factory, which is the studio belonging to T. Yeah, yeah. Tom, who is here, my husband. Oh. How are you? I'm good, you know. Okay, you're here for reason which is that we are going to record an episode with regards to your ADHD because we did an episode of changes which you may know about if you're a regular listener last year it was um, actually a year and a half ago and it's one of the biggest most talked about episodes we've ever done on changes so T kindly agreed to come back and talk a bit more uh, and have a bit of an update and a check-in to see how he's getting on with his ADHD, how it's working in his life, in his work, in his relationships. And then uh, halfway through, we are going to be joined by multi-award-winning comedian, writer, podcaster, and filmmaker, Josie Long, who was diagnosed with ADHD during lockdown. So we really wanted to specifically talk about female ADHD, which we didn't do the first time around. Uh, So that's what we're gonna do. First of all, tea.
1: How are you? I'm great right now. Yeah? In general. No, in fact, I've had a bit of a slump for a few days. Yeah? Um, But in general, I'm brilliant. Yeah, man, I can't believe it's been 18 months.
0: I know, it's since... been crazy.
1: Yeah, it's mad because like you say about it being a popular th- podcast and it's so funny, in it, when you do music or any entertainment and you work your backside off every day and then you just have a conversation with someone and then you're known for that. <laughs> We went viral albums, we bro. went viral viral and now I'm Mr. ADHD spearhead, which is fine and also you know see <laughs> what do you mean man but also I guess I guess awareness is everything and people can take the information and walk with it same way. I know that the upness of um, diagnosis has rocketed the last few years and I'd, I'd be interested to know why
0: but well, apparently it's not that there's more ADHD in the world. Right. It's that there's more people looking for diagnosis, there's more awareness mm. of what it is, there's a kind of hunger to try and get clarity on yeah. neurodivergence more than ever before and there's more ac- I mean there's it's still shockingly inequipped the NHS for this. Yeah. But there is more access to people who claim to be experts or who claim to be able to ah, give you help. Yeah, that makes sense though. So I think th- there's just more reasons to f- for people to be able to get a diagnosis. True. As opposed to there being more ADHD in the world. It's always been there.
1: Right. It's not just popped up. It's just, up. Been, it's just I uncovered. I didn't start the trend.
0: You didn't start the trend, babe. Oh, viral. I suppose looking back at the 18 months between then and now, you explained in your first in the last episode that you have got a guy that you go see Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to your ADHD and you have anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. Is there a a special name for that?
1: This is anxiety disorder, I suppose. When when my anxiety gets bad, it, it gets so bad that you can't, you know, so like when you're about to go on a flight or you might be scared of heights and you've got to walk over a bridge all right, times that by 100 and leave it on all day. That's mm. the type of stuff that sometimes creeps into an, into my life. Yeah, It's quite disabling, but I've I've learned to live with it. Um, but it's not like, oh, get on with it. You're just a bit scared. Like the, the anxiety that I can experience is literally crippling. But I've learned to deal with it since my early 20s and I just coast through. I've had it the last few days Yeah, for no reason other than I think I've burnt myself out slightly, which comes back to the ADHD bit because when I'm on form my mind is going at three million miles per hour every part of the day and I'm thinking of stuff and I'm doing stuff and then inevitably you're gonna kind of crash yeah and that's what I think these last few days have been because life's great and I'm blessed and these crashes happen way way less than they did and when they do I'm more equipped to deal with them so my ADHD in a way like I feel like it's brilliant because it's a superpower and I sitting here and I make loads of music with great people who are a similar mindset. So we align mm. and it's beautiful. Characters are great, like art's great. But then the downside is like things like that that seep into other parts of my brain that are way more negative affecting me.
0: So, well, let's talk about sleep. Because <laughs> I think that's a really interesting thing that I never would have thought about with regards to ADHD. But you, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but in my... Experience seem to during the week you go to work like your brain works at a hundred miles an hour mm-hmm. you're fully like engaged dancing around making tunes and then you come home and there's always a period of transition between tea in the studio and tea at home yeah proper. which takes at least an hour yeah you come home and you kind of sit at the dinner table and I'm like get back where are you come back in the room it's yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. so hard to transition to that. Uh, but but then in the week the way that you sleep. You are pretty good in the week of, like you go to bed quite late, like I would say 12 is late, uh, like half 11, 12, and then you wake up at seven. Mm. Um, But then at the weekend, you crash.
1: Crash, dog. You know, Gabón who you had on here. Yeah. I remember reading his book and he was saying about the adrenaline of the week served him so well that on the weekend he was just a myth. Right. So I kind of relate to that, you know, the adrenaline of making music and being at work and the routine for me is so important. Been booted up at seven, doing the breakfast with the kids, hanging out, getting out the door, doing school job, legging it down here, get a coffee fired up. Mm. Boom, 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 bosh. I feel good. I feel like rewarded all day with dopamine and mm. the adrenaline's positive, right? And mm. then I come home and then I have to transition into being dad again, which is tough because I just rev myself up so loud. And then I sort of slow down and then boom, I'm in bed at 11, I'm back. Repeat, repeat, repeat. It really works for my mental state, but then inevitably on Saturday, I'm just squashed. And interestingly, also the routine's kind
0: of out the window on a Saturday. Yeah, it's a myth. So let's talk, this is another thing we've realized is routine and yeah. the importance of that for,
1: for me, you, for you. 100%. So me and you went to America of a week for a gig.
0: Yeah, so I had to play a wedding in oh. Washington DC and T came as my tour manager Yeah. and um, we were really excited. It's the first time we'd been away together in such a long time. Uh, we got like flossy flights and lovely hotels and uh, Tell me about your experience of that. Well, it, it was
1: great, like, in terms of all that. But, like, there was just something in my gut that was not happy. Yeah. There was something in the back of my mind the whole time that wasn't it. And it felt chemical. Like, when I used to binge, naturally, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Booze, you mean? Yeah, man. I'd feel, like, all unbalanced. But it makes sense, right? This felt like that type of a vibe. Like, why am I unbalanced? Like, I'm, I'm in a great place with my love mm-hmm. of my life. Mm-hmm. and we're cool. We've got everything set up. But I don't feel right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um, it was felt It felt like the only way I can describe it is like um, chemically like just yeah. wrong, mm. like i had been to Glastonbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm in America, man, living life, like it's love. And then me and you got to the show and the day of the show, we had a nap and all. Remember? Yeah,
0: yeah we were, our sleep was all well, over like, the and gap. Then, we were and all jet lagged and we were trying to catch up yeah, in man. the day. And... And so
1: then we're going to the show, we've gone to bed, got up the next day. The next day I felt so anxious and depressed. It was a mental. Yeah. Right? So then bummer. Bearing in mind he is sober. He's not drinking. Yeah, man, I'm doing He's nothing. got no sort of hangover here. No, yeah. man. I'm 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 up and running, like with swam, everything. Felt, that's what I'm saying about it feeling chemical because socially everything was on point, right? And then I get back and it was just it just did my head in. So I spoke to my head dude about it. But before I did that, I Googled it. And cortisol is the stress hormone in your body, right? That's mm. the thing that when I get anxious, does not stop dripping into my blood. It's horrible. Yeah. And it's something to do with jet lag and really affect that. And because I'm sensitive to feeling and chemical and all them things there. I think that jet lag like, just licked me, you know, Yeah. to some next degree, which is annoying because it's like, come on, you've just gone on holiday. Yeah. But it really had me up. And then I spoke to my head doctor and he was like, bro, get up at the same time every single day. And I was like, that makes sense because at home, when I got up at seven with kids, I feel good. Yeah. But these times there, I don't. And then on the weekend... And it I, used
0: to always annoy me because whenever you got a lie-in, you'd get I wake mean, up and complain that you felt like shit. And I'd be well, like, yeah. I'm the one who just got... You got the lie-in? Yeah,
1: yeah. So on the weekends now, I'd go, oh, I need to catch up on sleep. So I'd kip into whatever, eight, nine, ten, and then just feel off-center and fucking laggy and a bit anxious and a bit weird and not centered. And he broke it down perfect. He said, every time you have a lane, in you've given yourself a mini jet lag. I said, bam, bam, bam. That's it. So for me personally, sleep has been a big thing of just like verifying that like just routine for me and my hypersensitive body. That's just, we're all just big bodies of chemicals, you know, Yeah, big sacks of chemicals yeah. combining people's are different. Like the routine thing is so good for me to the point when the kids stop going to school. We might have to get a dog or something because I need to be booted <laughs> out of the house, bro. At 7, 8, 5, 30. <laughs>
0: So what else do you do in your life to maintain that middle, that balance?
1: Um, I find the industry that I'm in really toxic. That's the music industry. Yeah. I feel so like the creative side per se is beautiful and the business is disgusting. And the business side is a must. Um, So if I want to make a living off this opportunity and blessing I've been given, then we have to work with that side. My management is incredible. She understands me. She knows what I need. She knows what not to say. She knows Mm. when to say the right thing. Because at the end of the day, I can give it the big one all I want about being strong in this. But the wrong person says the wrong thing at the wrong time and I'm spiraling. Yeah. Because I'm hypersensitive deep down. Yeah. So it's my boundaries have tightened up so tight Mm. in my job. Mm. Like I don't, there's so many things we can get into, but I've tightened them up and I have a new studio space. What a blessing I have, this space, man. I've got Mm. natural light. I've got a beautiful community of people here that I speak to every day. And I feel like over that six, eight, eight months to a year of being here and my boundaries being tightened, nothing happens overnight. Mm. I feel more content, still and happy than I ever have.
0: With the routine of coming here like a nine to five job, yeah. which is major, like uh-huh. you have really consistent working hours.
1: Yeah, I have. I'm really lucky, by the way, when I say all these things, I I, I appreciate that I'm a very blessed individual, mm. Um, but I just feel like that has done more for me than any meditation yoga eating green beans putting a bloody yoga stick up your ear or whatever people want to try has done for me but it's been a bit of a of a stretch you know and don't get me wrong I do dip and I do go left and right but that's never going to change no but right now I feel like the boundaries I've set within my industry and this new space I'm in has been super beautiful for me
0: As you say, like you work for yourself, Mm. so you're able to set your hours, you're able to set, make the room right for you. If you are someone with ADHD, Mm. then it's like, how can you get through life, get, you know, talk to your boss, talk to the people that you work with and try and explain how your brain works differently and thrive in your job? That's a really interesting discussion and it's like having the courage to be able to do that and a lot of the time having the courage to be able to do that involves getting a diagnosis so so Mm. knowing for a fact that you like in the same way you need a doctor's note to get off sick yeah it's like you need to be able to bring them something on paper from a professional to say this is why I am the way I am and why I need to work in Mm. a way that might be different than how you would normally work Mm -hmm. so that's that whole thing is really interesting it's
1: tough though isn't it because the NHS is so stretched and again, I'm lucky enough to be able to put some money down to see my doctor. Yeah, he's private. Yeah, he is. Cost so a like fucking fortune. A fortune, bro. But I'm blessed in it. So it's like, how does, how does, yeah, you know, for, former me when I didn't have a job do it. Like this is the thing. Yeah. It's, it's techie. It's very techie, and the NHS is so stretched in all departments. I feel so like there's so much information online. You can pretty much, if you feel in a way about it, you can clock it and probably like get a vague idea if you are in that box Mm. or out of that box or whatever you want to. Or or in a couple of boxes. Like you say, you could could have a a
0: few different things that are interconnected. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You could, there's quite a lot of self information, but that doesn't help when you're telling Barry and accountants that you, you've really struggling. You know what I mean? Like,
0: I think it. it, a lot of it is just about awareness. Like having an awareness, like the amount of people I've spoken to since we did our first episode who say they felt seen Mm. and heard by listening to us and kind of finally saw saw themselves or saw their own predicament in ours. Mm. And that was really interesting because I think even without an official diagnosis, you can read up on it. You can speak to other people and you can realize that you might have something like this. Yeah. And then what the next thing you can do is you can look back at your life and you can... See everything clicking into place and yeah, be like, facts. shit, that's yeah, yeah. why I've been like this. That's why I've always been like that. I mean, that must have happened to you when you got your diagnosis. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Like I said, I think I nearly cried out of joy. Why? Because I just felt like I wasn't like an idiot in certain places and just mm. like, oh, finally, like something that fits in. Because obviously, like, everyone's different. I can't think how you think or feel how you feel. But I think... I, it, I knew beyond my anxiety spree something not normal you know yeah so like when that landed I was like oh wicked like this is a thing it's not just me going mental it's not me it's not
0: my personality
1: it's my brain yeah man so then from when you find that and put it into place and then whoever you're working with and alongside whether that be friends family or colleagues you can just justify it to yourself a bit it gives you self-confidence
0: As a parent of sons, how will your experiences, I suppose, dictate your parenting, like make you look at your kids in a deeper way or in a different way because of your ADHD?
1: Oh, I guess it's like, I don't think I'm particularly conservative in terms of the way I look at young people and the way I feel like they should flourish. Like people, even our kids, six and 10, I learn off them every day. And I feel said so that they should grow their way, not necessarily in the box of the education system or society that puts them in. And I feel it just verifies that a bit more. So what I'm trying to say is like, because of the way I am around people and particularly young people, um, I think it just encourages me even further with our kids and the young people I work with in here and the kids I do little community work with and other, to just be like as out the box as you feel so you need to be yeah do you know what i'm saying am i making sense
0: yeah so it's kind of like don't feel like you have to follow the rules that society yeah. puts on you literally like you don't put any cash on school really i know like for you it's because you had a shit time at school mm. so your thing with school is just like i just want them to know how to live in the world literally. as opposed to be great at history yeah literally
1: and that's always been my mantra anyway but i feel so like this is just verified that because the box that education is in is just if a, it's a part of society and it can get you into university and all that and i understand that and that's great if it works for you but there's loads of other boxes in the world you know mm. and a lot of people that have not meant to fit in that box because their brain wasn't that wired that way like sh- don't have to yeah that's my point i guess mm. um but like with my kids and that it's like uh i see traits of myself in both of them of course but for me it's more as a parent it's like just have to be so disciplined with myself and just like remind myself all the time to focus. Cause that to me, I think as a parent, I don't know about you, Annie, but the main thing I want my kids to be when they're older is not fucked up.
0: How do you mean? Describe fucked up.
1: Well, basically we're human beings, right? We're sensitive things. We're dynamic. We're great. We're horrible. We're left, we're right, we're up, down and all that. And it's so hard to mold a human being into an adult and not put anything you've got on you on them. Yeah. Um, and it's bloody impossible actually yeah it is and um so it's a full-time effort they talk about trauma and generations and breaking cycles and things like that in certain places and communities and stuff like that I'm not necessarily talking about that but what I'm talking about is like how I my lack of attention in the house could affect them as young people and thus for an adult okay and when you say your lack of attention what do you mean like just being like not fully, ma- not there in the room sometimes or like being distracted or being on my phone or all these things that I know on paper doesn't make this child flourish. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. As much as they could. And I know that on paper, but putting it into practice is a whole different thing. I'm a human being. I'm a condic- I'm, con- I'm a contradictory yeah. as anyone else. Yeah. But I'm always mindful of that. Um. And just trying to work on that bit, just like be more in the room with the use.
0: So, I mean, it's really good for people to hear how you're pragmatically putting that to use, because we know that along with ADHD and anxiety, you have addictive tendencies. We know that from the first episode, you were, I don't know if you call yourself an alcoholic, but you definitely had addictive tendencies around alcohol. Yeah, for you're sure. You're sober now for years. You've done really, really well with that. Um, and, you know, don't do drugs or anything like that. So... A phone is highly addictive. It's oh, yeah. designed to be addictive. Mm-hmm. What do you do to try and not be on your phone all the time? Right, so a phone. By the way, I have been so annoyed with Tiana's phone that once I did actually put it in the kitchen bin.
1: Yeah, this, uh, there's uh, there's a, uh, it's like, that's. I hate his phone. The, the, the kids still like tell that story like you're the queen. Remember mm-hmm. that time when mommy threw daddy's phone in the bin? <laughs> That's what I mean. Like that's that's an example mm. of like knowing that that was a shit thing to do, but I'd still do it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. putting in the work. But there. it's it,
0: but it's so I always think it's so fascinating with people with ADHD because we know that ADHD a lot of ADHD is the reward system being the dopamine your brain reacting to do, dopamine. So on a phone, it is designed it's a dopamine machine. It's a dopamine machine. It's so perfect it, for people with ADHD specifically. And I'm excited to speak to Josie Long about this. Like, phones are... Oh, they're beautiful. Crack. Literally.
1: I mean, they're crack for they're everyone. They're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it is. They're, they're crack for everyone. They are crack but for everyone. crack for people like yeah. me. Um, I'm now officially off social media. Um, I have people... Oh, yeah, you I, are. I have God. people who post for me. And I occasionally have a little scroll through yours when I'm looking for a little yeah. top-up. But I'm off mm. for various reasons. But the main reason was... Toxicity of it, but the addiction of it. Why am I looking at this thing coming off? An hour later, feeling bad about myself. Goodbye. Mm. Life's hard enough. It is. So respect. By mm. the way,
0: I'm still working on trying to do so, that. And I Grammy's can.
1: gone, but I do post though. But my team posts because mm. I still want to share and. Mm you know, yeah. get some ego boost and them thing there, yeah. but really I'm not, it's not a forum.
0: It's just trying to do what's right for you. So you have to, in your case, you have to be extreme. Yeah.
1: It's all or nothing. There's That's no, fine. there's no middle term. Oh, people say extreme like a negative, you know, you know, nah, it's good. good for you. It has it's to be great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So listen, before we get Josie long on, um, can I just ask your experience again, since you've become the face of the, the face of ADHD, um, what your experiences are of women with ADHD. You, I know you work with a lot of female songwriters in the studio. Um, have you come across a lot of women, artists? hundred percent, Yes, most so of them. What have you learned, I suppose, of the differences, if any, between female experiencing ADHD and males? I mean,
1: I'm seeing it for a male gaze, so it's, it's never gonna be as authentic or, or as on point as a female. But yeah. the thing I do see and notice and something that could is often bounced back at them is like, oh, she's dippy. Or she's scatty, or she's a nightmare. Fascinating. Yeah, but it's a, I live, I work in a male industry though. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. All the blokes are like, oh, she's a bit dippy, or like she's so scatty, or whatever. Yeah. Like, all right, take that scatiness out and see how many songs you get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Reality. So yeah, man, I do see it in this room a lot. It's beautiful, man. Honestly, it's bu- the well, way it's it nice
0: it, for them they can talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah, man. And, and... So the
1: right, writer will sit here and they'll hear a melody, and I can literally see like a neon thing come from the ceiling in the brain and it goes around that and it comes out the mouth. Yeah. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to speak to someone now who's a proper creative when it comes to um, words. Uh, She's a writer. She is a podcaster. She's a filmmaker. And she's probably best known as being a comedian. Her name is Josie Long. Um, She got diagnosed with ADHD when she was pregnant. So we're going to get her on now and have a chat. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Josie. Welcome,
2: gr- Josie. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited that you both have been talking already about ADHD and things and being like, I wonder what they've already said.
0: One thing we didn't talk about is you know, the female experience of ADHD, which is obviously massive and huge and become, you know, so such a big awareness now, people uh, who have it and so many more diagnoses. So I really wanted to to speak to someone with their own experience of ADHD. And you got diagnosed when you were pregnant. It was just before
2: I started um, trying for my second daughter is when I was diagnosed. But I really noticed first time I got pregnant, now, in retrospect, I can see yeah. how much my symptoms of ADHD worsened when I was pregnant.
0: so I, it was so I heard wild. I've heard that hormones in women make the ADHD even more pronounced, or the symptoms of ADHD. I've heard in menopause yes. and a lot the hormones really affect mm. the symptoms. So how did that manifest for you?
2: So when I became pregnant, I really felt like I'd walked into a fog. Wow. And that I didn't really walk out of it again until I stopped breastfeeding for the first time. Second time around, it's been slightly easier. I think because I'd had the diagnosis and because I'd done it before, it was like forewarned, forearmed. But the first time around, I remember just feeling like, ah, just like mentally I was not myself for a long time. Yeah. Um, And it came down to things like, I think, getting a lot less executive function, you know, being able to think less, do less. And I know that some of that, you know, your thinking can be a bit, like, harder when you're, like, especially heavily pregnant, it's, like, hard to get into things. But I really felt like I was in a fog with it. And, like, the only hard thing is, like, is it breastfeeding hormones that did it? Or is it the sleeplessness? Mm. You know, like, is it the extreme tiredness? Or is it being at that stage of life? And so there's a lot of things that, it was like the full package, but the effect of the full package was really debilitating for me. Yeah. So I remember seeing friends who kind of came into a lot of power or, like, felt they were really thriving in pregnancy, and I just felt like I've got no brain, I can't do anything, I'm in a fog. Yeah. yeah. So that was a big, big part of it for me, definitely.
0: And can I ask, what were your motivations for getting a diagnosis, for looking for that? Like, what was the final straw, I suppose, in you being like, I have to get this diagnosed?
2: Yeah, well, well, it was because it was during the pandemic and we'd had the sort of first lockdown, the mega lockdown, and that had been so hard. We had the toddler and it was just like terrifying and intense. And me and my partner both have ADHD. We massively struggled Oh, your partner has it too. Lack of, he does, he does. Wow, okay. And he started taking um, pills for it and it has been life-changing for our family. Wow. Yeah, in terms of him, again, again, is it tiredness? Is it overwhelm? Whatever it is- he used to really find it physically incredibly overwhelming and overstimulating, and that would stress him out. And now he's able to take ADHD medication. He's able to just be ha- his happier self, and it's amazing. Um, and it's yeah. definitely really yeah. changed things. And also just, like, seeing him being, like, getting all the things done he'd wanted to get done for five years. Wow. You know, like what? Give was me examples. Ah, oh, just, like, isn't that to like... Sorting out his office, or you know, he <laughs> the things that he wanted to do. He was just like he 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 wanted to. He had this he has this project on the go at the minute, and he'd really wanted to kind of organize applying for funding to it. And just like as soon as he was able to access medication, it was like right, getting it all done. Right, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of stuff that's a bit more adminy and dry as a bone. Yeah. That you'd be like, there's no way I'm doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in a funny place because. I was trying to get pregnant when I got diagnosed. I couldn't then go on medication and I'm still basically breastfeeding. So I'm in a place where I'm still not on medication nearly two years later.
0: And is that something you'd like to do, do you think?
2: Yeah, I would just to see, mm. just to see. And if it doesn't work out, the hard part is I've built it up in my mind. And I feel like if I do start taking EG stimulant medication and it doesn't turn me into William Shakespeare, I'll be like, this, this <laughs> what is the absolutely... Fuck? Yeah. How fucking dare they? They've they've conned me, but I feel like I, I'm trying to temper that because I feel like I'll take the pill and it'll be like limitless, and I'll be like, great, yeah, yeah. everything's been done. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, but it, it's been good seeing him, so it can temper your expectations. He can be like, actually, it could just mean that a house has less of a chaotic energy to mm. it.
0: Mm. I mean, you <laughs> tried the meds, didn't stuff. you? Both?
1: Yeah, I tried the meds. Yeah, but it, it basically it was mad because. The, uh, <sighs> There's a short-term one and a long-term one. I can't remember. But the ones I had was literally like a recreational vibes. It's like he was doing an E. Yeah, man. So you wake up and you have it after breakfast or whatever. And then you start your day and I'd feel it coming up. And it was right nice. And and it hit this sweet spot where I felt really like just active. Like just like, I can't just, you'll know the vibe just like. Yeah. Like, hyped, super just focused. Like, just like, on it, man. and not. It's calm, isn't calm. it? Calm. F- it's like calm and Ooh, bright. Beautiful. But then what happened with mine is it just went further and I was literally, like, in my studio, like... It was oh, it was too, too much. much. But that's just me, right? I, I'm, there's loads going on with me in, in my brain. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I would never want that to put off the people because there was a sweet spot that was beautiful. I just couldn't get it and, right. And
0: maybe if you... I can imagine it might take a bit of patience... Yeah, man, you've got to just... To try and like... find the right... Amount for you. But it's okay. cool that your husband has already That's got exactly that experience it. of doing it. So he can be really helpful. Yeah. With with that. And if you forget yours, he's got his. Yeah, there and you go. <laughs> so vice versa.
2: But also he, we've got government well, we'll have government mandated speed. It's <laughs> the most beautiful <laughs> thing. But he um uh, uh yeah, he tried one that was non stimulant first and that was absolutely terrible for him. It really completely knocked him off um off his sort of piece and he we had to like put the put a lid on it really quickly and um yeah so yeah with meds i didn't try that oh i tell you sorry this is how i came to the diagnosis was basically after all of that lockdown where we we'd both been like i guess we didn't know we both had adhd we both had lost all our coping mechanisms all the ways that i would do intense exercise um cold water stuff like that you know things that would like help me regulate myself gigging which like gave me sure dopamine beautiful dopamine (laughs) and even just like working more that gives you sort of nice feelings that get you you know all of that travel new sensations Mm. everything i used to do gone And so we're both in this real funk, finding it so incredibly difficult, seeing people around us be like, this is the most creative time of my life. And I'm like, (laughs) how? Who are you? You're a monster. And then um, what happened was um, I finally, uh, once we'd been going through the pandemic for about six months, I remember there was a period where the rules were slightly more relaxed and you could do some work in some places. And I discovered that I could cycle to the Arts Emergency Office,
0: um, which is, um, an office that I shared with the charity. Um, Sorry, Josie, can you explain to T what the Arts Emergency is? Because I haven't told him what that is yet. You'll love this.
2: Yes, I'm very proud of it. It's um, it's a charity which helps empower people who don't come from privilege, don't come from money, to access, enter, and stay in the arts and humanities. Yes. So be that studying careers, even just artistic practice. It's there to support people, yes. and it's also like there to support people quite long term. Yeah, wicked. Like we have lots of different ways. I love it. Honestly, I'm so proud of it. Yeah, you should it's be, man. Amazing. Big up. And I should say Yeah, that, no, like,
1: well done, man.
2: But I was there to like start it. Yeah, man. And now I'm not that useful and they <laughs> actually have good people. <laughs> you just you use the office. You got to do the use a boton- photocopier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. i got the good bit and then I left. But um, I was in the office and it was in this big office block where nobody else was there except for this one guy who ran his own small business and he had a little office there. And it was really funny because him and me, it was like we were haunting the building. Yeah, I'd be sat in this big office somewhere own, finally had time and space. And all my life, I've wanted to write short stories. When I was a little kid, I used to do it. When I was a teenager, when I was at uh, university, I was like, this, this is what I am. I do comedy, but my real thing is this, yeah. you know? And I've been wanting to do it and never been able to get the ability to kind of get it done around comedy because it was so consuming. But also, I guess, yeah, n- not able to do it because of it. Yeah. And then I finally had the time and space. And I'd sit there and it would be like agony. I couldn't do it.
0: Wow. It was
2: like, I want to do this. I have ideas. I can't do it. Wow. And it was like this feeling of anguish like lack of confidence lots of things like that but also just physically it felt impossible and mentally it felt impossible and I just was sort of going into a bit of a spiral about it because I was like I have the time and space to do this I want to do it and yet I'm still not doing it what's going on then I've got a friend called Jamie McKelvey who's an artist and um he was putting on his Instagram things about having been diagnosed with ADHD. And it was this feeling of like every part of it applied to me. Right. And I felt so like desperately seen. And it was and at first I
0: was like, oh, don't be silly. And then by the end it was just so. And what were the bits, Josie, that, that you read that you were that were like indisputable, that you were like, this oh shit, like it's me.
2: For me it's um I'm only really motivated by things that I love. Hmm. I can't do things I'm not interested in, really, mm. at all. Mm. I, I'm i not interested. I can't do things as a means to an end very well. Yeah. So, like, EG, I want to be able to drive. I, I've not learned to yeah. drive. I keep trying and I can't get there because it's a means to an end. I <laughs> As a comedian, I can write what I want to write, but I can't imagine what other people write and write for them. I can only, okay. do, wow, Fascinating. I can only do what I can do. Yeah. Or, do you know I mean? I feel like I can only be this. Yes. <laughs> But also, it's things like just always feeling like you didn't quite fit in, or that you were getting things wrong, or socially that you were awkward. Mm. That you people said uh, uh, feeling weird, being told I was weird, Um, being loud, interrupting, impatient, massively impatient, can't, absolutely impatient. Um, And I used to just be like, "It." What's funny and it's interesting. I don't know if you have this, where you sort of like when you find out that you are neurodivergent in some ways you feel a bit like no I'm not different I am the default and this is a thing yeah. you know yeah. it, it, there's something to wrestle with where you're sort of like oh mentally I am different to people and that's sort of like that was a bit hard in a way because I guess it before the way I'd got through it was being like no, I do things the right way. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay, <laughs> okay.
2: Before I did it wrong. And some people get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you have a narrative you tell yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then suddenly your narrative is someone else's narrative. It's like, no, actually, I am a definition that someone else has described. It's not It's not me anymore. It's I'm in someone else's box. Yes,
2: but it was kind of helpful as well because this is the thing that, like, I've been wrestling with was, like, you stop seeing yourself as a bad neurotypical person or like a broken neurotypical person. Yeah. And that's really helpful because you're like, why well, can't. So I can't, I'm really bad at forming habits. I do things for like three months and then I forget <laughs> about them. Oh. To the extent that I do things, I say stuff on stage. Like I remember saying on stage about things I'm really into. So I'll be saying, oh, I've changed my life at the moment. I'm doing X, Y, Z and I love it. And then 10 years later, someone will come up to me and they're going, I've never forgotten you said that on stage. <laughs> And it's really helped me, and I still do it now. And I'll be like, what? (laughs) And they'll be like, you said you have porridge every morning. And I'll be like, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, I did do that for three months, ten
0: years ago, yeah. (laughs) People generalize about what ADHD is and a lot of the time they generalize ADHD in the prism of male symptoms. So hyperactivity, impulsivity, mm. all of that. Whereas female ADHD seems to be very different. People mask it, women seem to be able to hide it or it seems to be attached to other, uh, other things, more kind of integrated into other neurodivergences as well. So, and also hormonally means it's fucking all over the gap oh, yeah. and so much more harder to diagnose because they don't have the very obvious uh, examples of hyperactivity uh, so and so it's inattentive yeah. isn't it that's what you actually have inattentive that's what you're diagnosed with as well
2: hearing you say that the first thing i felt i wanted to say was about rejection sensitive sensitivity dysphoria which is something that i see in my family and i see in myself that you just are so hypersensitive yeah. you feel desperate pain at the thought that you've upset people you've done things wrong or my in my family the way some people have behaved has been you know anything is perceived as a deep criticism even though it's not and for me I'm not so much like that but I am desperate that I have upset people and I feel awful pain about it and stuff like that and it's like a very you I think for me and in the women I know with ADHD I think the way it can manifest sometimes is a very hyperactive mind that is hidden and a very hyperactive emotional system so you have very over feeling and overthinking the highs and the lows are so extreme and one of the reasons I feel sad about having a late diagnosis is I look back at my emotional state in my 20s and I would be feeling this like deep dark melancholy over nothing and now I'm like Yeah, it was fucking ADHD. It wasn't real. (laughs) But at the time, I was like, I've got to change my life. I've got to do this or the other, you know? And it's the same, like, as much as I feel I feel a lot of joy in my life, I also feel like there are these, you know, depths of it. And the same with overthinking. My brain is always like thinking, thinking. So it's not necessarily my body, although I do fidget a lot and like stimulate, stim and stuff. But like, and for me it was like those and in terms of hormones oh my god now this is not scientific i am not a doctor or yeah. a scientist and perhaps someone who is will be listening and telling me i'm wrong but to my mind progesterone is the devil's hormone and the day i have progesterone in my system and especially during pregnancy is like a 10-day progesterone spike or something yeah. i was in hell it drags me so far down I'm, i go from being like oh, I'm really enjoying my life, to being like, everything is pointless. I am a failure. Do you know what? That's so interesting. I have two
0: female friends who've both been put on progesterone for various reasons and have gone into deep, dark depressions and had to come off it like as soon as possible. Um, That's mad.
2: I think it's the devil's But people take progesterone for for HRT, (laughs)
0: don't they? But then they take it with estrogen. So I think it's the combination of progesterone and estrogen Mm. together means that it doesn't affect you in such a way.
2: I think that's just what it has to be for your cycle, yeah, I think. Yeah. So basically you can be on estrogen, but you have to have the progesterone to like make your body right, balance. Right, right. Okay.
0: So sorry. Not, uh, you have to have good and bad. So explain to <laughs> like... me when you've had progesterone. And what is that? Was that like, how, what's the conditions of that? Oh, well, I just know.
2: So you, in your cycle, there's like a big okay. where the progesterone kicks in. Oh, okay. Sorry. In, and that's, and I know that day because I feel it so deeply and I really feel, oh, and as well when it's my cycle I get so clumsy and forgetful far more the week before my period there's like I notice the symptoms of my ADHD are better and worse at different times well
0: that's that that is fact that the hormone your hormones will completely exacerbate your symptoms of um of ADHD that's fact it's so unfair
2: it's fucking so unfair it's just there isn't enough to deal with (laughs) And the idea that menopause is going to make it fucking worse. Like I've just had a diagnosis and now
0: you're telling me it's going to get harder. How sorry, you? you? I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) You know, you know, you're talking about that rejection thing. What would you call it again? It's called
2: rejection sensitivity dysphoria, I think. And it's basically where you are very, very emotionally attuned in certain ways to what you Whichever flavor of rejection fucks you up, I suppose.
1: Because for me, yeah, because I've always kind of been a bit of a people pleaser for that reason. Mm. And like never, certain time I won't vocalize something or whatever. And recently I've been like, no, fuck that. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. But what seems to happen to me, and this is something that I'm working on, is that I will express certain things or put a boundary around a certain thing. And I know that in my spirit and in my, whole ethos what I'm saying is correct and and it aligns but afterwards I still feel like did I piss that wanker off (gasps)
2: yes oh I get this like feeling of like utter as if my face is on fire if I it's the same thing yeah it's like if I'm really true to myself really honest about it and I feel Mm -hmm. proud of it you still get that anxiety
1: exactly it's annoying man
2: and also it's hard if you like have like if you care about protest or justice or something if there's a protest it's gonna annoy some people that you disagree with yeah and yet so you sort of don't want to upset anyone but at the same time this is life like how else I mean
0: but Josie you are you are someone who talks a lot about politics and you know you're really principled in your work through your art through your comedy and everything how do you cope with the fucking trolls like there must be like how do you deal with that
2: Um, I think with varying degrees of success at different times. Well, I think experience is useful. So if things have happened a number of times, after a while you're really aware that they don't need to disturb your peace and that you get used to certain things so you get better ways of handling it. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, like you say, like disagreement, you know, you can't change someone's reality. And if they have an opinion of you that you don't agree with, It can be really stressful and Mm. painful and stuff, but I suppose all you can do, I I suppose it has made me feel that online isn't necessarily my favourite place, but at the same time, that's probably for the best because it means I'm trying to get offline.
0: How are you with phones? Because we were talking just before we brought you on, we were talking about T and the fact that he is
1: highly addicted to his phone. Is
2: it the same? Do you hate that you are? I hate it.
1: Yeah, I hate my phone, but I love it though. It's like an X that I really fancy yeah. in my house. <laughs> Next yeah, do, do you
2: know, for me, it's like, <laughs> it's like, there's like a grisly thing. And I know I shouldn't be interested in the grisly thing, but I like come back to it. And so sometimes it's like,
1: it's dirty. Ugh,
2: I, it's dirty. I hate it. I hate it.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't want to be on it. I, I don't go- want to, but. Yeah, maybe when, I keep saying when I get on the meds, I won't be interested anymore. But it's <laughs> just, just can't wait for like, Josie And on when I meds. get on the meds, I'll also be six foot tall. Why don't you, know? you
1: insta-live it when you take your first yeah. med? We, we'll watch our Demo live stream. viral.
2: <laughs> but do you know, I've, I've got this app that is I, that was advertised to me so much on Instagram, I was like, fine, I'll get the app. And it's called Opal. And it blocks the things Well, that so we, we use one
0: called Freedom. We yeah. use we have the exact same thing we're always going on about. It's called Freedom. And you try and get on Instagram, it's like, you're free. Go and do whatever you want to do.
2: It gives, and- I think of it as a person. I'm like, actually, Opal, you don't realise that I'm trying to use Safari for something different, actually. I'm not actually trying to go on Twitter. And you are getting in the way of me and my child Googling prehistoric animals now. So actually, it's good parenting. It's actually not bad parenting. <laughs>
0: so Uh. So you're going to try and go on the meds i suppose with the diagnosis of adhd you're what a year into having it or a couple of years into knowing now it's two years yeah two and a half okay How, how has it changed you and also how has it changed like your opinion of yourself do you look at yourself and your life differently now
2: I would say it was quite a bittersweet process. Yeah, like you were saying uh, at the start, like you look back over your life and you're like, then, 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 uh, why in those educational environments didn't people know? Why, yes. why couldn't I have known at this juncture? At this juncture. I suppose, but after that, you do end up forgiving yourself. Like I think about the number of good opportunities I've had that I basically would get the meeting with somebody and I'd be like, lovely, that's the dopamine. I don't need to pursue this. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be like, but you could have done something really good. Jumped and there'd just be loads of times. Yeah, exactly. And, and I look back and I think, oh, there were so many things that I messed up without even meaning to. Yes. In fact, desperately trying to do the opposite. Mm. You know, desperately trying to do what people might want, but not knowing what that was because for whatever reason, I'm not quite able to do that socially. That was kind of upsetting from a work perspective and, you know, looking at impulsive decisions I've made and stuff. So, but what was nice was kind of being able to forgive myself more. And I think, I think I'm a lot nicer to myself and more understanding of myself. And I also think it's just good to know. And it makes so many things make sense in a nice way. Like, I swear to fucking God, 80% of the people I've connected with in my life and been like, they get it. They've got ADHD. Like, it's like, if somebody is my friend, I'm like, do you want to get tested? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or they have
0: neurodivergent family and they understand. Like, it's so funny. One of the things T's talked about was it it being his superpower in terms of as a musician, as a producer of music and the hyper (gasps) focus. As you as a comedian, like, I, I, it feels like a lot of comedians are susceptible to ADHD. Am mm-hmm. I right? Like, What's the deal with comedy and ADHD? Why do they go so well together? I
2: think the reason is, is a bunch of things. Performing live comedy gives you massive hits of dopamine. It gives you a thrill and a rush. It's very stressful. It's very focused. So it basically crystallizes you. And for me personally, when I'm on stage, it's actually weirdly the place I feel the least anxious, the place my mind feels calm and clear. It's almost like, I guess because it's a controlled environment, I don't know what it is, but it feels a very lovely, blissful, fun, playful space. So... In that way, it works. In another way, if you're writing shows, e.g. for the Edinburgh Fringe or for a tour or anything like that, it gives you artificial deadlines you can't back out of that are frightening or stressful or intense. And those are the things you need to get stuff done with ADHD. Mm. On top of that, I think people with ADHD like are quite performing, theatrical, big personalities. And it's, it's actually a really healthy place to be that. Yes. I also think if you're a writer, I've been thinking a lot about this because... Um, I wrote this book of short stories, and yes. in it, the characters are all really emotionally intense or like overthinking over feeling like. And I was like, actually, fiction comedy that is the place for heightened levels of stuff. Mm. Uh, creativity is a really good place. I also think, I guess, ADHD people are creative. Their brains love to make connections. Mm. Like one of the reasons comedians do well on House of Games is that there's a round in it where you have to link two really different things in a pun yeah. and i swear to god that is basically just pure adhd <laughs> the brain is like great easy i could do it and, and as well um i think adhd people do like humor for whatever reason it's like a a fun thing for them to kind of make jokes of things to make those connections and to yeah. step out of social norms
0: yes um
2: and then on top of that and we don't want to do the same thing every day when i've done temping I found it so desperately difficult because I got so bored going to the same place every day. Yeah, I, I get really, really stressed with the boredom mm. because I, c- I can't bear doing the same thing all the time. Like at school, I mean, I used to bunk off school a fair bit because I just couldn't cope with doing the same thing for that yeah. amount of time every day. Yeah. And I, n- I don't know how this sounds to people who aren't... Like, I hope that sounds too silly, but that was just the way I was. And, like, I think... um. Yeah, you want variety, you want new things, mm. you want seeing lots of information, meeting lots of people. Mm. Every gig is different. Mm. So it's never boring,
0: mm. ever. I mean, it makes it interesting. so much sense. It makes so much sense. It just. But it's, it's the same really, with music as well.
2: Yeah. Because yeah, you're never going to come to the end of music and gigging's the same and it's the same evenings and performance, you know?
0: Yeah. And you, for you, you've different people in every day. Yeah. It's got different people in to work with, different collaborations, yes. different ideas. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It
1: never stops.
0: Before I let you go, you are on tour. You must tell us what the tour is. It's re-enchantment. What's the vibe? What's the concept? Um, It's about
2: finding a bit of defiant joy and happiness in difficult times. It's about reconnecting with people in the world and sort of trying to, yeah, build up after difficult times, I think is how I'd describe it. Um, But it's also just like silly. And it also has about five references to new metal in it, which I didn't expect.
0: But that's the vibe. Listen, love it, and also we're going to put a link on the show, episode notes to Josie's book of short stories, which did happen, which oh, did which did you. come to be in the end because I don't know what you mean and what you don't is what it's called.
2: Yeah, thank you. And also I just want to say my household is looking out for a non-romantic non-neurodivergent uh, parent that can do all the organizing and admin <laughs> if, if anyone's interested. Uh, <laughs> there'll be no payment and um, no credit just just gratitude. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Josie Long. Nice one, Josie. Thanks so much. It's really nice to talk to you both. <laughs>
0: so T also we need to talk about your songs if anyone wants to listen to what happens in the Steve's Factory which is the name of T Studio yeah. where can they go and find your music
1: Spotify of course under um, Toddla T T O and also there's a mini doc about this room called the Steve's Factory Volume 1 on YouTube Yeah. and you get to see it there in the life of the chaos of me Toddla T from the Steel City uh, this is the Steve's Factory it's a studio yeah. uh, full of brilliant people coming in and out on every day and we put that into EPs and docs and stuff like that so if you like the vibration you know where to go find it so just put toddler tea into YouTube and see you'll there. find the Steve's Factory documentary absolutely
0: yeah. cool um, and there's songs coming out all the time all the time so okay thank you so much
1: pleasure give thanks big S- up yourself see you
0: later 5.30 on the dot
1: Bye. routine them.
0: Do please rate, review and subscribe to Changes. It is so appreciated. And if you fancy sharing it on social media too, that would be amazing. The more people we can get listening to these episodes, the better we want to tell our stories far and wide. Changes is produced by Louise Mason through DIN Productions. Thanks for listening.